0: Welcome to SVU Pod, Especially Heinous. I'm Gabe. I'm Tasha. We are on season two, episode sixteen, Runaway. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know, I was like waiting for you to respond for some reason. I
1: don't know. I was trying to think of a song by the runaways, but my I'm just not there right now.
0: The only one I can think of off the top of my head is the Cherry Bomb one.
1: Okay, then say it again.
0: Uh oh my god. Welcome to SVU Pod, especially heinous. I am Gabe. Why am I doing that part again?
1: Cherry Bomb. <laughs> um, I don't know. Let's just move on. Okay. <laughs> cherry Bomb. <laughs> I okay. feel like if I try to mimic that voice it just comes out really annoying where
0: Cherry Bomb. Yeah. Hello,
1: daddy. <laughs> Hello,
0: mom. (laughs) So Kragan's being hurried through a building. Stabler's with him, too. Uh, Yeah, and they're getting the lowdown on the situation by some mustached cop. Sergeant Frank Foster of Brooklyn Narcotics' daughter, Jill, ran away, and he found her picture on this website, like this internet magazine. There's a guy that takes interviews and takes pics of street kids and posts them online, and Frank went to him, and the guy wouldn't tell him where his daughter was, so fucking Frank Foster has him as a hostage.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like at his office or whatever.
0: Yeah, so there's... There's like four people in there, I think, and like two are Frank's wife and son, Jill's mom and brother.
1: And like a bunch of cops hostage negotiating situation. Yeah.
0: So they get like around a corner where he is and then they pull out the first fucking selfie stick that's ever been invented, <laughs> which is just like <laughs> this camera on a stick. <laughs> yeah, it's just like this like, gray security camera on a fucking huge stick.
1: Like duct tape to a stick.
0: Yeah. So Sergeant Frank Foster knows Kragan. Kragan's yeah. like, hey, dude, chill out. You know, and he's like, oh, my God, Kragan. Frank's like, I'm going to lower my gun and I'm coming out.
1: And then he's like, I'm not a threat. And he says it with the confidence of any mediocre white man.
0: <laughs> I know. You have a gun and you have hostages. I mean, you're a threat. Yeah.
1: He walks up and they've got like a laser pointer on him, but it's supposed to be like a sniper's gun. Yeah. And he's just like. Standing there having a conversation, I'm like, to not be alarmed in that moment, to not be afraid, like what level of white privilege do you have that you're like, you're not gonna shoot me?
0: What level of coptitude do you uh- have <laughs> to feel comfortable with the like fuck you? Uh what? Like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) he's like this is not over until i know where my daughter is and craigen like thinks for a second do i shoot him and then he has everybody lower their guns which i thought was so weird Mm -hmm. and then the dude goes back into the room with his gun
1: yeah and walks over by the hostage at his computer so this hostage is super annoyed and pissed and i like how he just waited at his desk for the guy who had a gun to be done talking and come back in the meantime he was like Got to finish this article, then I'm (laughs)
0: right. I just got to get this little
1: wrap up. Oh, they're coming back. Oh, well, hell, he still has his gun.
0: I guess I'm done with this game of Minesweeper, anyways. Foster's wife is like,
1: We want her back safe.
0: They have their son in a hostage. Just, just the whole thing was weird.
1: The way the mom prepped for this role, by the way, it's like she rolled down a fucking hill and just showed up. <laughs> it was like autumn raking leaves. She rolled down a fucking hill, shook her hair out, and came to the set.
0: It was like, We want her safe. <laughs> <laughs> the computer guy is like, she told me she didn't feel safe at home. Do you want to see what she said? And then shows them the video of the interview, which I'm like, why didn't he do that? To begin with. <sighs> yeah. So basically, she's just saying teenage stuff. She's like, my mom won't let me wear purple lipstick. My dad's a cop. Stupid. Yeah. And I was like, she's okay. like it
1: sucks at my house.
0: They won't let me do drugs. But then this guy comes up and his name is Kenick. Mm-hmm. He shows up in the video and he's like, you're pretty. And blah blah blah. He, come to this rave. <laughs>
1: he greets the guy behind the camera who is the computer guy the computer guy who's a hostage and he calls him tito so this guy's name is tito yeah and tito greets him and this is the only time i've heard like through the whole episode where someone calls him this canic walks up and tito's like hey bump hey bump bump Hmm. and canic's like hey tito oh like coke bump that's what i was yeah but nobody calls him that the rest of the episode i was like geared up for fucking benson to be like well we need to find bump (laughs) (laughs) has anybody seen bump
0: (laughs) I actually didn't catch that at all.
1: Because they're talking on the video the whole time the hostage situation of them talking is going on. So in the video, Kennick is, like you said, he's being really creepy. And then he's asking her if she wants to make money, get high, get down, come to this rave that I run and have sex for money on drugs.
0: Yeah, basically. Yeah. So Tito's like, yeah, this guy's like bad news and like runs raves. And he used to beat up sex workers. Tito doesn't know where she is, but he does know that she was hanging out with all these kids downtown.
1: I was studying the rest of the screen as we watched the black and white video taken with America's Funniest Home Videos camera. <laughs> yeah, the one and that rests on the shoulder. Yes. And <laughs> yeah. His website's called InterGotham Online, and he was working on issue number 15, Rave World. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the one where Benson goes undercover at a rave and she looks like Susie from Suburbia
0: oh my god and she does though I couldn't she get does enough it. of it and I know yeah. that
1: we've referenced her in the past but we are also dealing with the late 90s late 90s yeah. early 2000s so we're gonna see it yeah. multiple times but I, I mean I can't wait till we get to the rave you guys I can't fucking
0: wait yeah. so then Craigan's like can I, can I have your gun is it, is it cool if I have your gun buddy <laughs> I didn't realize he still had his gun I know he's like yeah you can have my gun but like you can't push this to missing persons because they didn't do anything and then Craigan's like what's the fucking alternative and they arrest him He's like, hey, hey buddy, mind giving me your gun?
1: If it's no trouble. I was going to ask you earlier, but I, like felt weird about
0: it. And... <laughs> and it's like, don't want this to affect our friendship.
1: Right. But it's like, you understand.
0: OK, so theme song. Precinct. Craig is told to have a seat in a room. He's being interviewed. Apparently, the foster investigation had some irregularities.
1: Yeah. We don't normally jump ahead in an episode, but I think it makes it less confusing if we all know right now that the entire episode, they're jumping back and forth from the story to these interviews with what I'm assuming is IAB.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: They're like getting spanked and we're watching the story happen going, ooh, they're fucking up. And yeah. they're going to be in trouble for it. So from the beginning. Yeah. Yes!
0: <laughs> camera one. Camera I like two. how we both
1: did the finger things and <laughs> yeah. no one else is going to see it.
0: Craigen <laughs> was the hostage negotiator on call that day for the burrows or whatever, which I didn't know they did things like that.
1: Can't he just be the captain? Isn't that enough job? Yeah. You'd think that they would have, like,
0: professional hostage negotiators that just do that again this is a tv show but he's the best (laughs) yeah so him and that Foster dude know each other since the Academy.
1: Sergeant Foster was Brooklyn Narcotics.
0: Yeah. And they're like, why didn't you fucking disarm him right away? Why'd you let him back into that room? And he was like, he wasn't a threat to anybody. Oh my god, he totally was. He had hostages. They're like, you broke all the hostage negotiation rules. And I was like, what are they? <laughs> but I don't want to Google it because I got stuff to do. Kragan just didn't feel like he would hurt anybody. And I can totally see why these interviewers are fucking pissed.
1: I can see Craigen using his common sense because he knew him for so many years but he shouldn't be using that in this situation he should be using his training foster isn't going to be the guy you've known all these years in this moment you know what i mean he's acting outside of how he normally acts so why wouldn't you take his fucking gun as is procedure
0: yeah yeah it's not like it's like oh there's foster i've known him for 30 years every now and then he takes hostages i know what he normally does it's like no you don't know what he's gonna do right yeah
1: it's fine he's done this before yeah. Just ignore him. He'll get tired <laughs> and tucker himself out. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, Cragen
0: started an investigation on Sergeant Foster's daughter Jill, because she was underage. Apparently he was supposed to give it to missing persons, but he didn't and he was like she was in the company of a convicted sex offender so he believed it was svu turf and you know and she's a minor and stuff yeah
1: and apparently he's a pimp too
0: yeah so he reached out to vice and they lent jeffries to him and i was like ooh, jeffries gonna be in this
1: so i have a couple things with that i know
0: i don't like him saying they lent jeffries to him
1: oh i don't like that i'm talking no that's a whole other okay now i have three things that's one (laughs) Two, I am so satisfied in knowing that she transferred to a different unit instead of straight up getting fired. Yeah. Because we were like, she lost her fucking job. No, she transferred. But, like, her issue had nothing to do with the department, so her transferring shouldn't change. I don't know. Maybe it's, like, less stressful, so they're feeling like she can, like, mentally handle it or whatever. I don't know.
0: Um, yeah, well, because she's in Vice now, and they're going to, like, in case they have to do undercover stuff.
1: Yeah. so my Which they ended thing- up
0: doing. But they have somebody from Vice, but didn't fucking run it by anybody. Whatever.
1: Then for a minute, I was like, OMG, how did they get Michelle Heard to come back for this episode? Mm -hmm. Because there was bad blood after her leaving. And it was like, it wasn't like a great parting of ways. Mm -hmm. But we find out and I'll get there.
0: Oh, and then Craig and these guys like, there was nothing normal about this case. It's a cop's daughter. What would you have done? And then I was like, "Um, hopefully treat them like any other missing kid.
1: Right. Okay, so we're in the squad room. They're looking over the video again, and they're talking about the dude they're looking for, Lance Canick. Tito has him as a promoter of Rain Lights Raves. In '87, he was running Wee Escort Services, which I fucking love that name. But Wee. they say it, and they just fucking move on. The I know. name is O Dash We. Ooh. That's fucking amazing. I and they know. say it like it's a normal word. He was running ooh escorts. We put the we in ooh escorts. Like, what is the tagline for that? I fucking love it. They say it more than once in the episode, and I'm like, address the name. I know. Anyway, he wants. <laughs> <laughs> Breath, pause. He wants beat a girl to death with a tire iron. I am not laughing at that. It's just the segue that I'm laughing at. This segue is awkward. He once beat a girl to death with a tire iron. A rookie cop contaminated that scene and the dude got off with seven years instead of life, which is fucked. The camera goes to Toots to let us in on his former narcotics experience knowledge. He tells them that raves are where you score X, GHB, ketamine. And meth. And meth. They shot this the same day they shot toots grand entrance that was at the end of season two episode one he's wearing the full red black and white tracksuit do rag and chain and he's standing next to jeffries and she's wearing the same top necklace and hairstyle <gasps> i didn't notice that i see you nbc you took me out of it same exact it was the same day that was michelle Hurd's last day of work i mean i know they shoot things in different order or whatever but it's like at least put a different jacket on toots he's he's wearing all black and this like fucking loud ass coat which was his walk-in hey svu hey fucking one six i'm here i did not notice it okay Back to the case, several months later, Cregan tells Munch and Toots to talk to Kanik. Benson and Stabler then have to go talk to Tito. Jeffries will coordinate from the squad room and Cregan wants Joe Foster off the streets before she becomes a sex worker or dead. Mm-hmm. So we're in one of the talk rooms. Benson and Stabler walk in and see Tito. He doesn't want to talk to Stabler or quote unquote the mall queen. He
0: was in because he wanted to help and he's like, dude, it can't be us. Nobody's gonna want to talk to you guys.
1: Yeah, so this dude has a camera in his bandana that's ridiculously obvious, but it's how he gets video footage of the kids he interviews without Mm -hmm. them knowing. This bandana cam. Okay, so it's like a bandana that is worn around his head like the fucking karate kid Mm -hmm. and he puts it on he's like nobody knows and there's like five wires hanging out the back of it there's a wire that fully runs down his back and he puts the actual device that is recording and like catching the video in his pocket it's the size of a sandwich marine made for stabler it is gigantic (laughs) yes oh my god Um, yes (laughs) so (laughs)
0: that thing has so many tomatoes on it
1: and there's a separate battery pack that he's got like taped up that's i mean it's so obvious technology is yeah bloop 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 it's insane yeah. And they're like, whoa. Yeah. Just the way he put it on, like a fucking spelunker's helmet. Like, <laughs> nobody knows I'm they're wearing like, a camera. Yeah, they do. You look like a biker with a fucking GoPro on.
0: <laughs> I feel like that's less obvious than what he had going on. <laughs> he puts
1: on a giant helmet and it's just one fucking <laughs> camera. It's like a round lens. <laughs> the size of his face. <laughs> So now
0: we're at Rikers Island, Craig and they're talking to Foster, you know, they're super good buds. Craig was in his wedding. They're like, he's like, why didn't you call me? And he was like, I was embarrassed, like, you know, I'm getting drugs off the street, and my daughter's doing them and I would do what any parent that has his head up his ass would do. I made it about m- I made it about me and how yeah. it made me look. Yeah. Which I thought I was like, That's pretty cool that like he
1: said that. Craig also throws in that he's alive today because of Foster because he saved his life in some cop incident. And I'm like, Is that Law and Order regular or are they just throwing that to up the reasons for Craig to act outside of his duties? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I didn't look into it. I didn't neither. So if you know if you're a law and order regular regular then like let us know yeah just or don't i don't really care
0: <laughs> well now i kind of care
1: do you okay yeah yeah then, now yeah, i'm interested
0: yeah <laughs> ghost stories and crag past it's <laughs> i want to know the number of the plane that, that his wife crashed god that's so wild okay oh my
1: god what if it was the beginning of loss and she's been alive this whole time no Oh, wait, no, weren't they dead? I don't know. The last season of Lost was some bullshit.
0: Yeah, they were dead. Craigan's like, hey, did you in any way abuse your daughter? And Foster's like, I never touched her physically, but I didn't respect her. Like I called her loser junkie and stuff. That's abuse, Mm. right? Yes. Yeah.
1: That was a surprising revelation for me to hear from 20 years ago. Yeah. Like him recognize that.
0: Yeah. Craigan's like, I'm going to call Cabot, you know, my DA, whatever, and see if she can help you. Foster's like, this isn't this isn't about me. I don't care what happens to me. This is about Jill. And he's just begging Craigen to find her. Munch and Toots are at Stanton Apartments. They wake up this doorman that's sleeping on a couch. They're looking for Kanek, and that's where his address is.
1: He looks like a tall lawn gnome
0: in a doorman outfit. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, he doesn't live here. Munch flashes a badge, and the doorman kind of is like, ugh, and gets up. So Kanek doesn't live there, but he rents one of the extra mailboxes. And then there's always some dudes there that pick up his mail for him. All the doorman knows is that Kanik drives a dark green excursion SVU. I knew it. SUV. <laughs> Damn it.
1: I know. Fuck. I was like, I can't do that even whoever in. Whoever real- does this is going to say the wrong thing. And the fact that he said SUV, I was like, How many takes did it take? I was making sure he said it right because yeah. my brain just can't compute. Like I know. can't flip those letters. And he also he doesn't know the license plate. Munch goes, yeah, what's the license plate? He's like, yeah, it's one of my hobbies, remembering license plates. I'm like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) and Munch gives him shit. And it's like, are are you mad that you didn't think of that joke? Yeah. I mean,
0: yeah. Then the doorman, he just opened Kenick's mailbox, which I don't think is legal.
1: I don't think it is.
0: And then Toots goes through it. And then I don't I'm like, I don't think that's
1: legal either. I don't think
0: any of it is. I don't it think doesn't it seem it legal here yeah. go through his mail I'd be pissed if like I just saw my doorman just be like, here <laughs> he didn't even say anything or think it was weird to pause or anything he was just like here I'll show you the mailbox in Canik's mailbox there's a bank statement from the Cayman Islands yeah so he's so doing what's happening there yeah mm. so now we're at the park Benson is canvassing the like the park and whatever
1: she's talking to a snow cone vendor
0: yeah the snow cone stand guy recognizes the picture of jill foster and says he had seen her yesterday with a group of street kids and points her to a pile of like street teens over in an area
1: yeah tito's talking to them until benson and stabler walk up to the group of kids
0: yeah and you hear kids like kind of scatter and they're like cops
1: and tito yeah. just looks at him with his giant bandana cam and he's like dude you guys look like fucking cops
0: Yeah. Oh, Benson finds a rave invite on the ground for that rain light fucking whatever. Tomorrow night, 10 p.m.
1: This is where Tito is like super crucial to this investigation and gives them a mess of information because this is like standard for rave invites in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, there's no address. And he's like, yeah, you call this 800 number to get the address to find out the day of the party.
0: Yeah. That Kenneth guy will be there. He likes to barter X for sex they call x now molly don't they both Oh, okay
1: mdma is like the the drug of like what's in ecstasy and then it's cut up with a bunch of different shit that's why i never did it because i was afraid of like rat poison and whatever being in it
0: mm-hmm. i did ecstasy like three times you and did yeah and i always got like a headache in the same spot one time i did it and I snorted it. I like shot up and was like running around and like freaking out. And I was like, I'm never doing that shit again. It must have been cut with like cocaine maybe. Because that's what I assume cocaine does. But I've never done cocaine. No.
1: They're, they're not going to cut. Because that's the thing that always. that The big thing that kept me away from ecstasy was people said that they would put heroin in it. They're not going to waste other drugs. And maybe drug. meth. They're going to stomp on it. No. They're uh. going to stomp on it with like baby laxatives and fucking baby formula like that kind of stuff they're not gonna put other drugs in it oh you know what i mean
0: i don't know whatever it did i just like shot up and like lost my mind and was like i couldn't calm down for like a while it was like freaking out it was crazy and i was like i'm never doing that shit ever again
1: yeah that was one of the drugs that i was like i can't i'll never do that that and heroin i was like no i can't
0: i did heroin one time
1: are we taking no. this out or leaving this in?
0: I don't know. I think it's fine. I actually, I was really drunk and I was like, I don't know, 17 or 18 or something like that. Or 19. I think I might you have been 19. Get,
1: no, I'm sorry. I want to hear this, but I, you have always given me so much shit about. Not so much shit. Just like, I always felt like I was the one who did a bunch of drugs. And the more that we talked, the more I'm like, you've done a bunch of drugs. I didn't shoot up heroin. I'm not saying you shot it up. I'm just saying you've done, I've never done heroin or or ecstasy. And you've done heroin and ecstasy.
0: Like, but like one time you were into like meth and all that shit. And then like Coke and stuff. Don't say it
1: like I'm gross.
0: (laughs) I know I said it that weird and I didn't mean it like that actually, but like.
1: It's Anyways, disgusting. Sp- it is disgusting. Somebody
0: offered, or my boyfriend at the time, who's dead, um, and so was his brother. This is fun. Um, yeah. He offered me a little, like, snort of it. And so I did, because I wasn't thinking and I didn't know. Uh-huh. And I felt really rad for about 20 seconds. And then I just started barfing up green bile or something. Oh, and then I was oh sick God. as fuck for, like, four days. I think I maybe almost died. Ew.
1: Like... Uh- yeah, you could have like Mrs. Mia Wallace. I don't even know what that means. From Pulp Fiction, where she thinks she's snorting fucking John Travolta's okay. coke and it's heroin, oh. and she's like, and then she goes and she gets the fucking oh thing yeah in her chest, and it's everybody's Halloween costume for the next twenty years. Yeah, I say that like I didn't dress up like her when you're for hell. I did, I did.
0: yeah it was wild anyway ecstasy oh yeah we gotta not go off on these things okay so
1: Canik's gonna be at this rave because he barters X for sex so he like gives the kids drugs so they like fuck on camera yeah because there's lots of money in
0: barely legal teens or illegal teens
1: they said barely legal and I'm like if they're talking about 15 year olds that's straight up illegal that's not barely legal yeah so Tito walks away from the obvious police he's chatting with to talk to this friend Mm -hmm. and Ronnie's hanging out with a group of other teens and is looking at Tito like, um, hey, do you have a sandwich from a Jewish deli in your pocket? <laughs> right. <laughs> is that an entire router in your pocket? Is that a copy of The Lion King on VHS? <laughs> is that a GameCube in there? <laughs> I'm looking around trying to find I know thing, other things but... <laughs> that are like, is that a printer? Is that a travel boggle? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right sorry go There's ahead gotta be
0: some more stuff is that a safety deposit box in your <laughs> all right all right all right so he, he gives a picture to ronnie of jill and he's like i don't know but he asks his friends if they recognize jill and all of a sudden one random kid kind of stands up and then just books like oh it was God. stupid it was so funny i took a picture of it because i was like what the fuck
1: we'll, have like, a, we'll we'll post it yeah it was so weird i'm like why not just weirdly shake your head like you don't know instead of do the most obvious thing yeah. that's going to get you chased.
0: Yeah, and your friends are never going to hang out with you, because, again, because you're a fucking narc.
1: You're either a fucking narc or you're just a dude who cannot keep your fucking cool. You can't yeah. stay cool for 10 seconds and be like, I don't know. That's all you needed. You didn't even need to say the words.
0: Yeah. You're like, mm Oh, you're dumb. stupid. Yeah. Obviously, Stabler runs after this kid and the straight up inertia of Stabler's big fat ass propels him <laughs> and he catches the kid like right away. Of course. Stabler's
1: glutes are built like a goddamn stallion. Like he might not <laughs> win the Kentucky Derby, but he'd find a respectable place in it.
0: Yeah. His clapping ass cheeks propelled
1: him forward. <laughs> <laughs> I bet if he donated his body to science after he died, they would find extra butt muscles.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah yeah
1: have we talked about i mean because i know that we record earlier than we put stuff out but we're like just post the stabler butt appreciation how it like it really burned the internet to the ground Mm -hmm. did we We talk about that last week
0: i don't know but it was amazing it was the best week of
1: my life i did a wellness check on gabe yeah Um, you did <laughs> that's I, right. I called her. Well, she knew immediately when I was like, hey, how are you doing?
0: And I'm like, you're worried this is going to be the Channing Tatum thing all over again, isn't it?
1: And I was like, yes. And you're like, no, I'm fine. I, I almost teetered there, but I'm fine. And I was like, that's so great. You know, I didn't know how you felt about everyone like claiming this. What did you say? You were like, I'm just really happy he's finally being recognized <laughs> or something. You were just, like, so proud. <laughs>
0: (laughs) I mean, I've I've been talking about his fucking fat ass for the entire time I've been watching SVU. Right. And so it's great that it it blew up. Yeah, it did. (laughs) So the kid's like, yeah, I ran because I think this Jill chick is dead. I still don't know why that made him run randomly so hard. It was so weird.
1: It was so weird. Yeah.
0: So we're at 385th West and 19th Street. The whole SVU gang is there. Tito 2. It's some kind of warehouse. Stabler instructs them to the second floor in the rear. (laughs) Uh... (laughs) Uh, that punk ass narc kid lets them in it looks like some old abandoned warehouse with tons of mannequins in it
1: it was obviously like people were squatting
0: yeah yeah munch toots and stabler find a body of a girl under a pile of mannequin parts
1: okay so we're in the interview room and remember this episode is being told by craigan and apparently svu detectives so now it's stabler in the room being interviewed and he's telling them that the girl wasn't Jill foster they wanted to know why he pulled out all the stops to find jill was it because she was a cop's daughter and they remind him that there's thousands of kids on the street and they can't save them all so why did jill deserve so much extra attention and I'd like to know that, too. It's very valid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Stabler says that one runaway connected with Jill was dead and they didn't want another. And I kind of think that's bullshit because I'm sure you guys run into this kind of shit a lot and mm-hmm. it doesn't make you go hard. It just yeah. doesn't. You've got a uh, whole this is... fucking Wizard yeah. of Oz cast of straw men to this try to a... argue your point.
0: Yeah. For sure. Um, Just like when whoever killed that cop, all cops that have ever been cops were hanging out. Yeah. Like we got to get this done.
1: And I get it when you're like connected and you're close and you feel close and whatever, but it should not change protocol and it could, it should not change the way that you do your job and the level of importance that it's at. Like that's a personal life thing. And if we're going to be professionals and we're going to be these fucking public servants, don't do that. Yeah. Anyway, not anyway. Don't do that. So Stabler says that one runaway connected with Joe was dead and they didn't want another. IAB wants to know why that civilian Tito was involved. Stabler said Tito knew the scene and wanted to help. But Stabler had no idea if Kragan cleared Tito to be a confidential informant. So this whole thing, like this whole interview thing, they're painting a lack of protocol here. Mm -hmm. There are things that need to be done that weren't done. So I'm like, hmm, this sounds familiar. Jeffries, is Kragan going to fire himself?
0: yeah <laughs> no i like how um stabler kept his cool super hard because he's usually like Bleh. these yeah. two detectives were like their bellies were like literally touching his face while they were talking over him
1: right over top of him
0: yeah and he was just looking forward <laughs> he just
1: keeps looking forward answering yeah. questions. i'd be like can you i can smell your belly button dude gross <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we're in the ME office. The girl they found is around 14 and had OD'd on, quote, rave drugs, meth, ketamine, X, etc. Mm-hmm. The ME doesn't usually do MRIs on autopsies, but this girl was abused and he like really wanted a record. So she had scar tissue. Her skull had grown around. Ugh. Recurring fractures to skull, ribs, arm, and femur. This is so disturbing to the ME that he said as if no one claims her that he'll pay for her funeral which i was like damn he also says that she was waxed like besides her hair on her head and eyebrows everything else was completely waxed which is indicative of kitty porn which is super just what happened to you uh craigen and cabot are in craigen's apartment aka the other side of the glass <laughs> yeah i know diane that was hilarious <laughs> So listen, that narc kid is talking to Jeffries behind the glass. He said some dude gave him and some other kids some money to have sex in front of a camera. He couldn't describe the guy because it was dark in the rain, but knew he was black. But a white guy drove them all to the location where they had sex. Mm -hmm. So he was doing X in the back and didn't get a look at him either. And the dead girl that he woke up next to, which I didn't know he woke up next to her. Right. That was just another girl that was like partying with them. And Jeffries is like, dude, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you can't remember anything else. Like you have to give us more. Mm -hmm. So he remembers the voice of a girl telling them who to have sex with and he just keeps going he's like have sex with him her him her him and it cuts back to craigen and cabot they're (laughs) behind the glass and they're like he's just like irritated because they're getting like nothing from this kid yeah craigen's like we could charge the creep who gave them the drugs but they don't really have anyone that they can find to charge so craigen's like maybe we should talk to fucking jill foster's brother maybe he's got some like scoop a scoop on something i don't know yeah so now they're in another talk room <laughs> jeffrey's is chatting with jill's brother he said that jill did a lot of drugs and like he felt like he should have said something
1: he goes she'd drop x just to get through dinner and i'm like come on dude you can't roll any dinner with your family also yeah. like if you're an angry teen who's like can't handle getting through dinner you're not going to sit at the table with your parents you're yeah, not no
0: And then he was like, tweaked. And I'm like, I don't really think that that's okay.
1: That's not what ecstasy is.
0: Yeah. So at this point, I was like, oh, my God, something. It's the brother. Maybe he looks suspicious.
1: Oh, see, he looks like such an innocent little dummy to me.
0: Yeah. Well, you find out like immediately that he is. Uh, he says Jill likes art and talked about running away to him. He thought she wanted to run away to Disney World because she always talked about wanting to see Dumbo. Have you heard that before? Because I never had. Yes. I never had. Because I was like, mm-hmm. Dumbo, what's that? <laughs> We're in the squad room now. It turns out Dumbo is an acronym for Down Under the Manhattan Bridge Overpass. And then I was like, oh, I felt bad for her brother. <laughs> then.
1: It's the art district. Jeffrey's consulted the precinct horse and they did the math. <laughs>
0: Oh my god, my friend Kayla, she listens to the she listens to the podcast. Yeah. She sent me a text yesterday that was like intercourse, more like interhorse. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and I was just like, oh my god, how do we not come up with that? And oh she was god. like, do better next time. <laughs> <laughs> She's funny.
1: What's her name? Kayla. Fuck you, Kayla. Fuck you, Kayla. <laughs>
0: So it turns out the dead girl's name is Gina Lang from D.C. Toots had notified her parents and he said that they are really concerned about the cost of shipping the body and that's it. Mm -hmm. So they sound like pieces of shit. They cannot find Canik. There's no license, no address for a residence that he lives at. The only thing he has any ties to is this Rainlight Productions and they promote non-alcoholic raves. Lame
1: most raves at the time were quote unquote non-alcoholic but they were chock full of hallucinogenics and ecstasy so they were promoted as non-alcoholic so that underage people could go to these and right anyway yeah so
0: the attorney yeah the, the attorney of the, of Rainlight productions is Ted Bulger. so he cut uh Canick's plea deal for the sex worker murder remember with the tire iron
1: so they're like it's pretty sus that This lawyer covers such a broad spectrum in his legal practice. Yeah, he's filing paperwork, but also reducing murder charges. So they're like, yeah, "Hmm," about this Hmm. guy.
0: Yeah, Craigan's pissed. He makes Benson and Steven go to Dumbo and Munch and Toots go talk to the lawyer.
1: So we're in Ted Bolger's office. We just see him from behind sitting at his desk doing a hard line of coke um, off of his desk when Toots and Munch walk into his office and he's like, what are you doing? And he shoves everything into the trash. First of all, it's fucking Daryl Hammond from SNL. All right. Yep. I got so excited. This dude has so much range. Like, Yeah. Do you know about his real life? No. He was so terribly abused as a kid. Yeah,
0: I'm going to Google.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Google that. Anyway, he's amazing. He's incredible. He does incredibly in this part. He plays this part. He is Ted Boulder. Mm -hmm. So he tells him to get out of his office or he's going to call the police. Well, (laughs) and in my mind, I thought Toots was going to be like, we are the police. Yeah, me too. But instead, Toots immediately puts on a character and Munch hangs by the door and he looks less than comfortable yeah and there's this she doesn't say anything or do anything but I think she's worth a mention yeah big titted, big-haired blonde lady has her hands on her hips like she was like just busted right in her, here her exactly yeah I couldn't stop them she's watching through the door I feel like fucking Fred Armisen she's watching she's just watching <laughs> they busted right I tried to stop them Ted I'm gonna go back to my desk oh my neck these
0: nails aren't gonna file
1: themselves her name's vicky we don't know but it is so toots (laughs) walks behind ted's desk to talk to him which is a hard power move yeah and he asks him his rate bulger stands up so they're almost touching noses i'm like kiss 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 (laughs) (laughs) he wipes his upper lip like he wipes it in a weird way because like he had just finished doing a line so like you get kind of like a post-nasal drip thing but also so he he stands up and he's gonna wipe his nose and you'd think he would just kind of you know do the standard like one of these mm-hmm. and he takes all of his fingertips like um mary Catherine gallagher <laughs> like he wipes down his upper lip with all of his fingertips it is oh it's a bizarre way to do it but like because that. it's daryl hammond i'm like i believe in you and i feel like that was a choice yeah and he's got this tone and it's super croaky and i love it and he's mm-hmm. like who are you yeah. And Toots is like, what's your rate? Like Toots is doing the Rocky Balboa like hard lip up thing mm-hmm. to seem tough. He always yeah. does that when he's being tough. Yeah. He's like, what's your rate? I need the privilege. And he's talking about client attorney privilege here. Right, Bolger goes, it's six bills an hour. And their lips are inches from each other. <laughs> Just quivering. <laughs> <laughs> Toots pulls out a wad of cash and tosses hundos on his desk one at a time and tells him he's got some business. He hands Bulger a business card that says Finn on it.
0: Which I thought was adorable. It
1: was cute. Yeah. Toots is obviously undercover. Undercover okay we didn't know this was happening but he is yeah.
0: did he have these cards made for this instant
1: the card looked a little rough yeah like it was not crisp no he probably used it when he went undercover in narcotics oh and he's sure like
0: yeah I still have this in my wallet yeah so this whole Finn character is like the John de Munch of this episode for sure <laughs>
1: <laughs> toots asks where Canik is Bolger goes I haven't seen him who's he and points at Munch Mm -hmm. just like that toots is like that's my jew where's canic and Mm. munch is like eyebrows sniff head tilt like excuse me but then he just quietly sits there he's sitting in a chair now just watching the show yeah toots says that he has some ladies that want to work for canic toots is playing intimidating very well and i said this in my notes that he was playing intimidating toots is he's good at this part of his job yeah he can like swing his weight around when he needs to i feel like he's pretty measured about how and when he pulls his dick out and i feel like this was a good call yeah dude it's motherfucking iced tea
0: you know yeah Yeah.
1: he knows that he knows all that stuff so Boulder writes down kennick's cell phone number and says with kennick's line of work it's better that i don't know where he is so this is really all i can give you toots points at him and still like leaning hard over his desk into his face says understand you still owe me 55 more Mm minutes and he turns to leave and munch stands up and just goes shalom And I'm like, oh, thanks for playing along, Munch. (laughs) So the guys get outside and Munch chews out Toots for playing fast and loose and like doing this character and shit. And he's like, this isn't narcotics. And Toots is like, whatever, we got his number. And he's like all full of joy and happiness. He was fucking high on it. He was so excited. But this is just one more not protocol thing. Everyone, Munch is the only one who didn't actively do something. Munch and Jeffries, who didn't actively do something that wasn't like Uh, Jeffries is the
0: only one, period, that's... professional yeah but she got fired so (laughs) (laughs) i won't let it go
1: we're at a flea market in dumbo i love every fucking inch of this scene benson's talking to this lady and showing her jill's photo and this lady's got tight ringletty bernadette peter's hair but mm-hmm. it's like red so it's more like ah, uh, who was tom cruise married to nicole kidman hair yeah but this woman's like really hippy dippy yeah and she had just seen jill like two hours ago with the candy kids
0: yeah so okay
1: benson needs to ask what candy kids are so your aunt watching in her chaska minnesota townhouse can hear the answer (laughs) yeah tito turns around because he's there and goes fuzzy clothes plastic jewelry yeah then a dude carrying a wooden carved horse head profile in a frame like this is he's just carrying a very flea market object yeah this guy looks like a really rough old nick from new girl oh god yeah yeah he's wearing a pleather jacket with the sleeves cut off (laughs) but not even on the seam like hacked off like it's hot and he fucking scissored them (laughs) off hello my future (laughs) (laughs) Gabe's like, face palm stabler, and you're like, hey, guy. No, I meant he is me. I'm that's oh. I'm getting- <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he walks up, he's not a part of the conversation. He just all of a sudden is behind Benson and this lady. Benson goes, Do you know where she went? And he goes, They went to Lorna Frankel's loft, all the kids hang there. It's that John and Gold. And then he looks at the curly haired hippie lady <laughs> and says, Look for the big pig. And she laughs because it's a joke? I don't know. They have like some kind of inside... I don't
0: know what it meant. Is yeah. it because they were cops? I don't know. I didn't even think... I didn't.
1: I look for the big pig. And like. she's like,
0: yeah, the big pig. Yeah. Oh my
1: God, I didn't get that at all. It was like, we missed something. This guy was almost, almost, not quite, almost as good as the guy who saw the bike messenger... Yeah, like forever, many episodes ago. Yep, the guy who's like hurt his elbow, like that guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, she describes Lorna Frankel as Salvador Dali's feminine side with fangs, which I so,
0: completely disagree with. But whatever.
1: I also disagree. Yeah, she's Cheryl Crow if she's fucking anybody.
0: Dude, don't don't make fun of Cheryl Crow.
1: <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think I was. Why? Why? I like Cheryl Crow a lot. Oh, you said it with some real conviction and I'm like, oh my god, did I just put my foot in my mouth or something? It's no. just that you like Cheryl Crow? Yeah, I was like, don't
0: compare her to this fucking stupid
1: bitch. She's like painting on the walls. Whatever. <laughs> Bunch Toots and
0: Tito were in fucking Frankel's loft. The crappy electronic music is playing. It's not rave music. It's like it's like the music, the elevator type fucking yes. rave music.
1: Boom. Tss, boom. Tss, boom. It's n- 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 computer. Yeah. Fucking- and there's
0: a bunch of like 40 year olds like supposed to be teenagers like painting themselves <laughs> and doing drugs or whatever. Yeah. Just they're just like lounging around and fucking being stupid. All these kids look like TV's version of Candy Rave Kids. Like it's not. Yes. even. It's really bad, actually. So Tito and his fucking <laughs> bandana camera. Cam are talking to kids he knows, and Munch and Toots walk in some door and see this chick painting on a wall.
1: She's probably mid forties, and she's supposed to be portraying this cool artsy type. I'm yeah. gonna double down on the Cheryl Crow of it uh-huh. because I mean, yeah, that's who I see now when I
0: when you look at her, not like, sh- you know,
1: not yeah, not her vibe. Her vibe is Frankel like, um, isn't
0: creating creating anything good. Cheryl Crow at least creates things well okay right i mean she got famous she's, this chick yeah is she's just like stupid.
1: she's like i live in the art district and fucking live in a warehouse and i'm cool and different but also put a fucking blazer on her and she's a goddamn real estate agent like this woman yeah. is whatever
0: yeah i bet you she's in a shit ton of episodes and we never knew it uh she's irritated because she's like dude when i asked the agency for men who defined the city did they think i meant orlando but um ching. that was funny she <laughs> That, said was that. Funny. <laughs> yeah she tells munchin too she's like whatever just take off your clothes and arrange yourselves on the sofa
1: right she thinks they're models but little does she know that munch's junk has hung on an art gallery wall already oh that's right so he kind of is
0: non-consensually hung on it. <laughs> yeah they're like no we're not doing that and she's like I don't know who all these kids are they just wander in they show her a pic of Jill Foster and but then Tito finds out that Jill left like an hour ago mm-hmm. Toots is annoyed and he's like everybody get up empty your pockets blah 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 and she's like this is America blah 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 so Benson's stable to roll up on Kenick's car and they tell him to get out he was traced by his cell phone which is super fancy new technology
1: yeah the detectives open the door to the back seat and he and Benson tough guy the shit out of each other mm-hmm. and I love whenever Benson voice goes up an octave when she's talking to a cocky perp she's mm-hmm. like uh where do you live if you can't tell us we can provide you with an address yeah <laughs> like it's a sassy way of threatening to put him in jail you know yeah that guy looks familiar he does look familiar yeah i don't know yeah kennick is super tall in a full black leather suit with a silky purple button-up underneath and you guessed it it's super unbuttoned with a chain underneath mm-hmm Mhm. He also has a Jake from State Farm earpiece in. <laughs>
0: yeah, he does. <laughs> So Stabler takes off this dude's fucking earpiece and he's like, look, there's 39,000 of us. If anything happens to Jill, they'll all want a piece of you. And I wish they had that same fucking steam for everybody. Like, this is bullshit. You know, Benson gives him her card and says to call if he runs into her, which obviously he's never going to do. Now we're at the precinct. Munch and Tooth bring all these fucking kids in and they're like causing an early two thousand scene. So we know it's lame. Yeah.
1: The kids that were at Lorna Frankel's loft. Yeah. They're like, hey, piggies. (laughs) And
0: I was like, oh, my God. I hate you and I hate that none of you have back pockets like I hate (laughs) that shit I hate that shit I hated that shit then too the back pocket things okay
1: when didn't we have back pockets what I always wore giant pants
0: yeah so I
1: had pockets that I could put my whole arm in
0: yeah (laughs) where you couldn't reach the stuff to get it out yeah. That's the kind of pockets. Yeah. It was like the early 2000s where people wore like jeans with no pockets. Like, oh, remember like the girls? Yeah. Craig like, what's going on? Why didn't you interview these fucking kids? Like where you guys were? And he was like, dude, they were taking cues from Frankel. They need to be separated. They're going to scare these kids into telling them where Jill is.
1: One of the kids told him in the car that there's a rave that night that she's supposed to be at.
0: Yeah. And then fucking Ted, the lawyer, Bolger shows up. Yeah. So Toots can't really show his face because he was like undercover and Craig yeah. and didn't know about that. And that's how he finds out. And Bulger, they're like, how did he get here so fast? And it was like, because Frankel called him. So she's connected to all this stuff, too. So he's the attorney for all the kids.
1: He's a strange common thread that the SVU is clocking now. Mm -hmm. Jeffries then brings Tito to the other side of the glass with like into Craigan's office. Yeah. Craigan wants to make sure that Tito... Is gonna be okay, and Kennick doesn't find out that he's helping the SVU because Tito's like, "Oh yeah, if he finds out, he'll like kill me for sure." Even though he's walking around the city with two obvious cops questioning street kids with the first ever battery operated recording device strapped to him like a fucking Ghostbusters proton pack. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, he's gonna find out because of this. <laughs>
0: Anyway, so Craigen goes on the other side of the glass with all the kids and the lawyer. And you can see he's mad because he's like staring back at the glass, like where the other cops are, and you can, he's just got like hate in his eyes. He has to let the kids go. But Bolger is like kind of being a dweeb about it, you know, like yeah. making him look stupid.
1: Oh, it was great because he grandstands about their rights. And Craig goes, we're looking for a missing minor. And Daryl Hammond's SNL Clinton comes out in this line and he goes, mm. I don't care if you're looking for Osama bin Laden, <laughs> this is still America. <laughs> that was <a> terrible. <laughs> it was good. Craig and Bust back into the behind the glass with Munch and Toots and hard scolds both of them. He's like, you guys are going secretly undercover. You're out of control. There's too much at stake here for them to fuck this shit up. And he's going to fuck them up if it compromises his investigation. I'll hold you personally
0: responsible. blah, <laughs> blah, blah. So, cut back to the interview in the future. They're questioning Benson now, IAB or whatever. They want to know who authorized the undercover op.
1: And she goes, At the rave? And I go, ee!
0: Yeah, because it's happening. We're going to see her and her rave stuff.
1: Oh, God. She's
0: like, I don't know. I was just told to do it by Kragan, but he wouldn't have approved it if it wasn't legit. They ask her if she's trying to cover for Kragan. And she's like, Are you trying to fucking blast Kragan? Like, what do you want? Yeah. So Benson's pretty sure that everything was legit and that if there were any flaws in their tactics, it was because there are some things that you can't foresee.
1: Yeah. She plays it really fucking cool. She's so cool. Okay. Now here we are. We're at a rave, everybody. Mm-hmm. Loud ass EDM, glow sticks, strobe lights, everyone's partying and like fucking making out. It's like not, it's not even like real. Okay, yeah. The music, yeah, it's th- just, yeah. No, the music again is like beep, boop, 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 Everybody's like dancing super hard and rolling their dicks off and Benson and Jeffries show up in their undercover rave gear, okay? Oh my god, yeah. They both have spaghetti strap baby tanks on with like a bunch of jewelry, not enough. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bunch of jewelry, but it's not enough because I had a zip a gallon Ziploc bag of plastic bracelets. Yeah. And like that's not an exaggeration. Like that it was a literal gallon Ziploc packed full with disgusting plastic cheap ass shit yeah benson has a pacifier around her neck because oh of infantilism and drugs which was like huge in the rave yeah. world and like club kids and everything you know that was a huge part of like all of that yeah like drug culture they both have really fucking cute colorful extensions clipped throughout their hair they're not old like irl but the way they're undercover makes them look fucking 45
0: it, yeah they they do not look like they belong there.
1: No, no. I don't care what you're wearing. You look the out of place. Like, yeah, we also get to see their fat pants at the end of the scene. So we'll get there. I'm not mm-hmm. at this point. We just see them waist up. But they are cover models for middle aged Delia's.
0: Yes, yes.
1: I'm showing my age super hard, but I love both of their hair and outfits. Like I loved everything that they were doing. Yeah, everything that they were doing was like my 1999 year 2000 fantasy. Yeah, they look like Like they were living it.
0: Yeah. What I fucking love (laughs) is Stabler and his outfit because he's literally wearing the same shit he wore to the beach when he picked up fucking (laughs) his daughter, like a fucking tank top with an open Hawaiian shirt. I don't even know.
1: It was a denim button up with the sleeves rolled up and his man tank. The second his toe
0: stepped through the door, kids should have been
1: just scattering. We didn't get to see his waist down, but Gabe's like, I'm clocking your new balances from like... Yeah, cargo shorts. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentally redressed him. In that same tank, but with like soup's low rise cargo fat pants, painted nails, a pile of plastic bead chokers, and like a skeet Ulrich bucket hat. Yeah. And like, the where yellow goggles. You can't goggles. see his eyes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. As I was typing, like my rundown of what I would change him into to like kind of fit in better, I was like, ooh. <laughs> it's that thing where your brain gets stuck in a certain time period. Like that <laughs> vibe for me. I'd be like, oh my God, get it, get it. Yeah those stupid fucking jenkos
0: get it oh my god i wrote a poem called jenko dreams when i was like 15 about a kid that was skateboarding and then his fucking jenkos got caught and the kid died and there was like blood running through his eyes i'll have to read it to you
1: oh my god this is this is gonna do you still have it oh yeah i have all my little journals somewhere oh my god this is going on the patreon i'm making a note of this puke it's gonna be great Ugh. It's going to be great. Okay, yeah, hold on. I started this list of, like, what we can do for people on Patreon. What is it? Janko Dreams.
0: Yeah, something like that. I used, to, oh my, I used to write a lot.
1: I did, too, and then the ex that I got a restraining order against stole all of my notebooks. What a puke. And tried me to not get, not go to court, so I, I would get them back, but um, I've already told that story. But anyway, yeah, yeah, so, like, everything I wrote from ages, like, 13 to, how old was I? 21, he took Ugh. Anyway, so Toots isn't going to change his clothes for this shit. He's same. You mean Stabler? No, Toots. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And Stabes. Like Stabes is like, I'm not going to wear a suit and tie, but like this is my casual look. This is as far <laughs> as I go.
0: Jeffries and Benson spot fucking Tito. He's not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be laying low. Yeah. And they notice that security has like an eye on him. So Jeffries walks over and she confronts him. She's like, hey, Tito. And he's wearing that fucking dumb bandana camera. And she's like, does fucking laying low mean anything to you?
1: Right. And
0: he's he's like I can take care of myself and I was like this dude's gonna fucking die isn't he
1: yeah oh he's yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I thought the same thing I was like you're in trouble you're too he's too confident then it because it keeps like it's cutting around this whole thing it's like cutting around it's like it's cutting around to dancers and it's like cutting around and there's Tito and that's cutting and then we see fucking Munch and I'm like Munch take off your fucking sunglasses you can't see where you're going you don't look cool what are you doing looks like fucking Voldemort up in this fucking
0: The Eye of Saurons come to the party. Oh my god. So then they see this that fucking Franco lady taking pics. And Mm. fucking Stabler spots Jill. And this fucking pissed me off so bad. He just yells her name. He's like, Jill. And someone's like, the cops. And people scatter. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like go up to her and grab her by the fucking arm and drag her away. You've been looking for this
1: girl. You're so fucking close. She's right there. All of a sudden, you don't have any like memory of how to cop in any way. You guys are undercover. She's sitting on a couch. She's got her head between her knees, basically. Put her head down. This have this all would have been over if you had stayed quiet for two fucking seconds.
0: Why was Jeffries and Benson even wearing all this outfit when when nobody else fucking went undercover clothing wise? And he's just gonna yell. It
1: was so dumb. Do you think they had fun getting ready, though? Like, I know that they were like, this is serious and this is like, whatever. But their hair was so fun. And they both had like cute glitter makeup on. And like, you know, those like glitter roller things, highlighter, whatever, probably like all over their fucking faces and collarbones and shit. This is a fucking look. You look amazing. And they're taking selfies. Maybe they didn't
0: have to go undercover, but they chose to.
1: Yeah, they were like... They
0: didn't have to change their outfits, but they were like, let's do it. Let's
1: do it. It'll be fun. As long
0: as we're on time, let's do it.
1: Let's like make it fun. It's really hard to have a good time at our job and like... Like these are those rare moments that we can. Yeah. We like dance for a little bit. Stabler
0: tries to follow Jill.
1: Yeah. So then it cuts again back over by Frankel and her photo shoot.
0: Yeah. She's taking pictures of these like two dudes trying to like rape this girl, like taking off her clothes and she's screaming like, get the fuck off me. Yeah. And she's like flopping around like a fish, yelling at these guys to let her go while Frank, this Frankel lady is doing nothing and just taking pictures. Mm-hmm. Benson fucking is like, hell no. Goes over, flashes her badge. And then we cut to Stabler outside and he spots a, a gal on the ground. But it's not Jill. I thought right. it was like Jill that got, that got trampled or something. Um, And he just keeps yelling for her, which is... like
1: just quit yeah i was Um, like that worked super great the first time so just keep yelling jill outside he's like Jill.
0: yeah (laughs) oh jill are you talking to me oh
1: yeah sorry i didn't i thought you said phil he (laughs) left (laughs) everybody it's fine go back to the party they need to talk to me i'm a runaway My dad's in prison. (laughs) And
0: then Munch and Toots kind of stop kids from
1: leaving. Jeffries takes Frankel's camera and Benson and her fat
0: pants bought at Sun at rounding up kids up against the wall.
1: And when I saw them, I was like 100% accurate. Those are Sun pants. Mm -hmm. Jeffries pants are 100% hot topic, though. 100%.
0: I was just going to say Jeffries was like this was like a different style of fat pants. It was like the kind of gothy.
1: Yeah, yeah, that sort of she fat pants. she went yeah, she went the goth kid route, but not for the top half. Like she was kind of like a, a yeah. she was more eclectic, but the pants were not something that I would probably have worn.
0: I so, I didn't wear those either. I wore like the jeans, jean ones, but they had they had they're like black with like neon strappy things flopping around, just hanging like, all
1: over the place. Like I had strappy yeah. things hanging all over on a bunch of shit, but I didn't mm-hmm. I never did like a neon and I rarely did like a black Pant.
0: I can see you doing like a plaid.
1: Oh, fuck yeah. We're in the interrogation room. Cabot rolls in.
0: Like a boss, as per usual.
1: Right. Fucking Lorna Frankel is leaning against the wall and wants her phone call. The
0: way she said that too.
1: Yeah, she was being like an art district Karen now. Mm-hmm. So then, like, one by one, Benson and Stabler, Munch and Toots, walk in, each with a box of files, photos of minors having sex, a legit wax strip with Gina Lang's DNA on it. Gina Lang oh. is the girl that was found dead under the mannequins. And they have all this fucking info on her. All this shit that they found at left. Franklin yep. was a porn star known as Layla Cream Cheese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you got that far into without laughing. <laughs> Layla Cream Cheese in
1: 1979. Who
0: fucking wrote that? Oh, it was so porn good. star known as Layla Cream Cheese. This is where <laughs> Jeremy Wolf just pops in. He's eating a sandwich. He's can't he's coming in at the script writing at the last minute, and he's like. Layla cream cheese. (laughs) Like, they're like, whatever, put it in. That's the only contribution he made. Layla cream cheese. Very
1: good. They're like, yeah, yeah.
0: He was just saying things that were around.
1: (laughs) Veronica VCR.
0: (laughs) Elaine Envelope. (laughs) Betty Box of Donuts. (laughs) Sally's Soup Can. (laughs) Wendy window, Fiona fish oil, (laughs) Tanya, two guys in trench coats. (laughs) Okay. Did you hear, there was this meme today that was like, America's just three corporations in a trench coat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's not funny. It's it's because it's true though. Okay. Anyway, also besides being Layla cream cheese, 1983 to 87, she was arrested as a call girl, Louise Francis. It's an insane amount of evidence. Cabot wants seven consecutive years for each minor in the picks and man two for Gina Lang. That's 715 years. There was a check to her from Canic through Rainlight also. Like she just like lived in a pile of her own evidence. Why
0: are they pinning her with 715 years when dudes are doing this shit all the time and they get like six months?
1: They're trying to scare her into giving more shit up. That's all they're doing. They could be scaring.
0: Okay, whatever.
1: Because they don't have him yet. They don't have canic.
0: No, I mean, like, just any pedophile they could be doing this with.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, they can't even be sure that this stuff would even stick. They can threaten her with it, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So they think that the lawyer, Bulger, is not only the lawyer, but also a partner. If Frankel can prove it to Cabot, she can get out of prison before menopause. Mm-hmm. Frankel says Bolger is just a lawyer she's supposed to call when she gets in trouble. She tells them that all the files and pics in the boxes point to Canik. And a few times when she was recording, she would turn the camera toward mechanic and she's like it's dark but it's there
0: he would be like coaching the kids and stuff yeah yeah and like feeding them drugs
1: jeffrey calls stabler out of the room homicide is calling about tito oh my god no i know stabler rolls up on a crime scene and tito's laying there dead so right away we're like did his bandana cam record this and this is far from a funny scene but the recording device is in his cargo pocket just screaming at me (laughs) i know (laughs) he's laying there he's laying there in a pool of his own blood on the ground
0: He just opens his his car. I didn't realize that the thing was so big in his pocket until he pulled it out. It was
1: that whole thing that he showed them in the beginning and it looked like a fucking children's jewelry box. He's got it opened up, but it's got like a screen on it and like a whole little. And then there was a separate fucking battery pack attached to that. It's insane. The huge thing. And then he just puts it in his cargo pocket. It's it's insane this fucking recorder so he's lying in a
0: pool of his own blood and they take out his gamecube from his pocket it is that big though
1: it was huge two people cut his pocket open and lift it out it's a it's a two-person lift
0: it's a two yeah okay definitely with their knees their legs I mean lifting because it's better for your back (laughs)
1: Sorry, We're in the squad room now, and they've got a TV hooked up to Tito's bandana cam, and they're Mm -hmm. all watching it. Tito is talking to Jill, and she's super upset that her dad's in jail. She's like, it's my fault, and she can't fix it because she's embarrassed because she took photos and was on video doing shit for fucking Lorna and she's scared that her dad will see them. Tito reassures her that nobody in SVU is going to show her dad the pics and that her family really misses her and he's really trying to get her to like, you mm-hmm. know, turn herself in or whatever and she's too scared and she's like I've got a place. It's creepy, but it keeps a roof over my head. All of a sudden we hear this gunshot. Jill screams and runs away and Tito goes down and then you just see Canick's face lean down looking obviously at Tito, but obviously into camera. Yeah. And he says some shit about like bringing cops to his rave and he taps tito on the face and he's like cold yet he knows that he's dead this guy is cold-blooded just fucking Mm -hmm. walks away and you see this blood start to pool yeah the cinematography with the blood entering the screen was some sundance shit
0: Right? Please. (laughs) It
1: was like, no, I don't mean for real. I mean, that's what they were going for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were. It was going to like say Finn across the screen, across the black and white screen. And then Toots (laughs) was going to be like, it's me too. (laughs) But no, yeah. So Tito's fucking dead. And it was 100% canic. And Mm -hmm. we all saw it and we all know it.
0: Right. So now we cut to the future again. Cabot's being interviewed by IAB. She's all business as per usual. She's like, sure, I'll talk to you, but you have like no legal right to make me talk. And they're like, we now, uh, lady. Anyway, so she says that the morale in the unit was upset because of Tito, obviously. They asked her what Kragen's state of mind was at that moment. And she's like, I'm not going to fucking speak for another person's state of mind. Ask him yourself. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh. They ask her if she thinks that Kragen's friendship with Jill Foster's dad put undue pressure on her. And she's like, Kragen made it clear clear his intentions. But if you think that I can't act independently, then I think you're fucking wrong.
1: Do you motherfuckers know who you're talking to? Yeah.
0: They ask her if she thinks that the investigation was handled poorly. Cabot's like, dude, fucking SVU acted totally professionally. They're like, an informant is dead and you have no opinion on that. And Cabot fires back. If you're looking for someone to denigrate Captain Cragen or the unit, find someone else.
1: Boom! So now we're in the interrogation room. Stabler and Cabot have Canik in there. Stabler's like shoving his fat ass around as alpha male. So Kanek's <laughs> like, "Where's my lawyer? His ass yeah. is too big." <laughs> <laughs> they play the tape of him killing Tito from Tito's banana, banana, cam, uh, bandana, <laughs> bandana cam. Yeah, <laughs> his bandana cam. While the tape is running and Canik is realizing they have a video of him killing Tito, Cabot is fucking. Living. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cabot says that he's going to get the death penalty and makes some fun remarks that a bleeding heart will call to ask for mercy for him an hour before his execution. And she intends to answer that call. <laughs> Canick's like, What can you do for me? And she's like, I can't talk to you because you asked for a lawyer. So now he's going to waive his Miranda rights because he wants this shit just taken care of. She wants evidence that the lawyer, Bolger, is not only his lawyer, but also a partner. And she'll make sure that he gets life without parole instead of the death penalty if he cooperates he's like i want man one i'll do 15 and you get bulger and jill like we'll give you the girl Mm -hmm. and cabot's like uh no yeah so he says without the deal he won't give up the girl and she's like too fucking bad Mm -hmm. figure it out you got 10 minutes stabler is cartoonishly biting his nails like he's eating an ear of corn because he's so (laughs) nervous about this stand-up he's like (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, don't worry about it, honey. Cabot's balls are not only fucking huge, they're also... Crystal, she knows that she's got the upper hand here. Damn, yeah. get it, crystal balls. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> so we're in the squad room. Craigan's fucking pissed. He's like, "This is a cop's child," and the DA's made the, a worse deal before. What does that mean?
1: The DA has made worse
0: deals before. Like he, wants, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He
1: wants man one, and she's like hard saying no. And he's like, "Come on, it's a cop's kid." Right, right.
0: So SVU is like really wanting her to make the deal.
1: Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to because he's going to kill. Again and again. Cabot and I are super annoyed and mad that they're subtly threatening her, like, hey girl, this is a cop's daughter. You work with cops. You don't do this, and your job will be way harder. And I didn't include Gabe in being upset about it with us because she's off somewhere setting a car on fire. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's like this is the law like he's gonna mm-hmm. keep doing stuff you know
1: Cabot is the type a est type that's ever aid yeah she follows the letter right yeah
0: yeah and so then, then Craig is like dude Alex Miss Cabot we can save a life today not prevent some hypothetical murder in the future she needs our help. Cabot's like, harumph, and leaves. Munch and Toots do a quick walk and talk, and it sounds like Toots wants to hit up Canik for more info, and Munch doesn't want to.
1: Munch wrestles with it for a second, then he's just like, okay, I'll drive. And they tell the unis who are about to take Canik that they're going to do it.
0: Yeah, Munch was like, dude, we don't do this stuff anymore. We don't like rough dudes up, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyways, they get Kanik, who was like fucking six five yeah. by the way, into the car and then Toots slams his head down on the roof of the car. Like, so we're they're doing it. They're gonna tune this guy up.
1: Okay, these last few scenes are going back and forth super quick from future interviews to actual story.
0: Yeah. So cut to the interview with IAB with Toots. Toots says that on the way to Central Booking, Canik volunteered the info about Jill's whereabouts. And we all know that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. They roughed him up. He roughed him up, not much, but he was the driver. They're like, oh yeah, sure. You tuned him up. Uh." And then, because Canik complained about brutality and Toots is like, this dude's a liar. It's like, who are you going to believe? And that shit is so problematic to me because it's like that police, like are you gonna believe me or a guy that sucks and it's like you know a guy that sucks can also be yeah tuned up by the cops
1: you know, we mention this regularly, but this is just another example of TV glorifying overreaching of power. And it's not mm. cute. It's not. Yeah. So. so
0: then we cut back to Canick getting out of the car. Toots pulls him out to central booking. Munch calls Cabot and tells him that Canick gave them Jill's info, volunteered mm. it, quote unquote, and tells Cabot she can get her warrant now.
1: And you can tell by Munch's face that he does not like the situation at all. But we no. don't get to see Kanik's face. So mm. we don't know 100 percent. It's like.
0: We just know he was fucked up by the future interview. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, whose word are we going to believe, too? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So now we cut back to the IAB interview. With Toots again, and he starts telling them when I was working in narcotics, nobody counted. There were no good guys. And then he goes yeah. on to say, since he started an SVU, he's started seeing real actual victims and that the SVU are the good guys. And he's right. like, Real victims. Okay. He sounded like Mr. Garrison to me just for like <laughs> just the quickest second. And I laughed so fucking hard. I'm gonna cut that out because you didn't laugh
0: at all. Sorry. Um- <laughs> not your fault cut back to benson and stabler um they're obviously followed Canuck's whereabouts jill and they have like flashlights they're looking around this like dark warehouse room and they're calling jill's name and they find jill behind a bunch of boxes and it looks like she od'd on heroin she had like something hanging out of her arm yeah they call an ambulance but there's no pulse so then we cut back again to the future to Toots' interview with IAB and he's pissed and he's like I'll do whatever I gotta do to save a fucking kid from a perv like Canik and they accused him of you know tuning up Canik and Toots screams I'm
1: sorry I'm not even listening to, to you talking right now because since you said back to the future <laughs> I've been trying to come up with a back to the future joke and then I, after that, it went too long I was beating myself up over not being able to think of a back to the future <laughs> joke and then I didn't know where we were okay so yeah they accused
0: him of picking the crap out of Canik for the information and and then toot screams he's like joe's dead because i can and i want to fucking see my union delegate
1: so now we go to Cragen's office. This is not interview time. This is actual storyline yeah. time again. Yes. So Munch is knocking on Cragen's office door and he says to Cragen, he's here. So Cragen mm-hmm. goes to an interrogation room or talking room or whatever at the precinct. And Sergeant Foster is in there. There's no audio. We're like outside of the room. But you can tell that it's Cragen telling Foster that his daughter Jill is dead. Yeah. He like puts oh. his,
0: his little hand, his little paw on Foster's arm. Oh. Okay. Back to the future. Back to the future. Kragen's interview. Kragen's upset and he's like, I'll take fucking full responsibility for the action of any of the SVU detectives. Craigan's like, all you care about is Canic, Like a living sack of crap. And they're like, dude, he has rights too. Which he does. Yeah. And then Craigan jumped
1: in his DeLorean and he's like, gun it to 88! (laughs) (laughs) I needed something. So fucking stupid. Okay, so Club Kids and Rave Kids were different in a lot of ways, but... The club kids were definitely an influence on rave culture so we're going to talk about the most notorious crime of the entire scene the murder of andre angel melendez i don't know
0: hardly anything about this really yeah
1: i don't okay so michael alegg was born in south bend indiana he moved to new york city in 1984 after dropping out of school from the fashion institute of technology Alec began working as a busboy at the club Danceteria. Mm -hmm. He was drawn to party promoting and the club scene, so he began hosting small events in 1987. He wanted to make a name for himself, and when people called the New York City club scene dead after the death of Andy Warhol that same year, Alec was like, I've got this. Okay. The movie Party Monster really paints the picture that he jumped onto James St. James's coattails a bit. Have you watched Party Monster?
0: Yeah, but like one time when
1: it came out. Oh my god. It's fucking iconic. I love that movie. It's based off of the book Disco Bloodbath by James St. James. Mm -hmm. Basically, James St. James was a mentor to Alec and Alec took on St. James's over the top look and persona and took it to the next level. Like he was a very creative, really smart promoter. But they also had like this, there was always this contention. So at one point in his life, Alec said that he was diagnosed with histrionic personality disorder. Now, histrionic personality disorder, or HPD, is defined by the American Psychiatric Association as a personality disorder characterized by a pattern of excessive attention-seeking behaviors, usually beginning in early childhood, including... Inappropriate seduction and an excessive desire for approval. People diagnosed with a disorder are said to be lively, dramatic, vivacious, enthusiastic, and flirtatious. He claims that the doctor told him he was the most extreme case he had ever seen. I cannot say that with certainty, but that doesn't sound like something a psychiatrist would tell a patient with HSD. Yeah. Like, you win at your disorder. Like, you yeah. want to hear. You know what I mean? Like, he also would be the type of person to exaggerate something or say something for a shock value.
0: Right. Yeah. I can't see that either.
1: Yeah. Um, So Alec credits his HSD as something that, quote, worked well for his job, which is true. He spearheaded the national recognition for the club kids. Like he propelled that scene forward and was a huge reason why the whole country knew about club kids in New York. Yeah. In an interview, Alec described how the whole idea of the scene started. He said, quote, we were all going to become Warhol superstars and move into the factory, which was the name of Warhol's studio. Mm -hmm. The funny thing was that everybody had the same idea idea not to dress up but to make fun of people who dressed up we changed our names like they did and we dressed up in outrageously crazy outfits in order to be a satire of them only we ended up becoming what we were satirizing Mm. i'm gonna post some of the looks when we put this episode out but everything was over the top artistic creative Mm -hmm. and homemade yeah and it also had like a vibe of gender fluidity and intense self-expression so they were like walking art yeah. To quote James St. James again, the aesthetic was part drag, part clown, part infantilism. Hmm. So Alec would throw what were known as outlaw parties where this wildly dressed group would famously take over a Burger King, Dunkin Donuts, like a random deserted residence or mm-hmm. subway or something. Like a huge group would pile in on unsuspecting people, crank music on a boombox and dance until they got kicked out or chased down by police. Yeah. Then they would take that party over to one of the clubs that Alec promoted at. All the clubs that he promoted at were owned by Peter Gatian. So Alec worked under Gatian. Starting out at the Limelight in 1988, he eventually hosted parties at Gation's other clubs, Club USA, The Palladium, and Tunnel. These parties would have in-your-face theme, always far from PC, always intended to shock and spark controversy. Alec was very that. Mm -hmm. They were such a staple of New York City nightlife that... The club kids even guested on many national daytime talk shows. Oh, Donahue, no. Geraldo, Joan Rivers. Oh. Like you can fucking YouTube that shit too. Yeah. Alec was just an expert in self-promotion. Just naturally good at it. As the years went on, his behavior kind of went from what his friends described as a bratty, shocking attention seeker to a drugged out, Boundary crosser. He was infamous for peeing on people from the upper level at the limelight, as well as peeing into people's drinks. He would throw $100 bills on the floor of the club just to watch people scramble for them. Mm -hmm. He had zero regard for anyone. He would, without warning, stage dive and crash into people, just knocking them to the ground. Like zero intention of being caught. Yeah. In 1991, Village Voice columnist Michael Musto, who had been tasked with following and reporting on the Club Kids scene, wrote of Alec, quote, the bad seed in cha-cha heals alec will do anything to get a response even if that response is the deafening sound that accompanies projectile vomiting he's an arrested child who should be arrested a cute little dolly that ends up biting your head off crazy also the scene started off drug-free like not necessarily straight edge but they weren't a part of they weren't like like, known for it yeah it wasn't a focus like the focus was like the art and the freedom and the community and yeah all of that eventually drugs made their way into the forefront of the scene and especially in Michael Alec's life mm-hmm. so that's where Andre Angel Melendez comes in he was also an integral part of the scene he also worked for gation at the limelight and part of this included selling drugs angel along with others was one of the well-known club kids and he wore these trademark angel wings Mm -hmm. okay like it was always something different like a different outfit he often dressed very like leather daddy Mm -hmm. village people biker sort of but always with big wings on yeah, it's reported that Alec kind of created him as a sort of cocktail server, but with drugs for club guests. This made Angel the go-to dealer for some of the hippest users in the scene, mm-hmm. okay? This, of course, put Alec in a position where he felt like he could ask to be fronted whatever he wanted, which, as I'm sure you can imagine, racked up an insane debt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Throughout the course of his employment with Peter Gation, Michael Alec had many stints in rehab and he always came out to relapse. Mm-hmm. Well, in 96, he came out to no job with Gation, no income. Like there was a padlock on the fucking limelight. Mm-hmm. The feds had shut it down after finding out that Gation was allowing drugs to be sold on the premises. Mm-hmm. This means Angel was out of a job too. So he moved in with Alec. Then on the night of March 17th, 1996, in Alec's apartment, as Angel attempted to collect some of Alec's debt, which was fucking huge, the two began fighting. At some point, friend and roommate Robert Riggs, better known as Freeze, he came out to find Angel overpowering Alec. Okay. Okay. When Alec yelled for Freeze to help him, Freeze grabbed a hammer and hit Angel three times over the head. Alec then wrapped his fist in a sweatshirt and struck Angel repeatedly until Angel was dead. Jeez. Some of these details are disputed because these guys were fully blown out of their minds, like Mm -hmm. fucked up on so much. I mean, he did a lot of heroin, but it could be any number of drugs. He did like every kind of drug. Um, So this next detail is disputed by Alec, but it's stated as fact in many other accounts and it's in the movie Party Monster, so it's kind of like solidified as fact to a lot of people. It's said that Alec filled a hypodermic needle with Drano and injected Angel with it then poured more of it into Angel's mouth and covered his mouth with duct tape that part is true whoa keep in mind that these two people Allig and Freeze were on like a crazy bender though that's not an excuse it's just a fact it's like all the fucked up things that they're about to do seem so fucking sick and it, they are sick they were just so fucked up on drugs so these guys weren't sure what to do so they thought that the best choice was to put Angel in the bathtub fill it with ice Drano baking soda and spray calvin klein's eternity all over okay then they shut the bathroom door again this is disputed alex said that this didn't happen but that they had a party with the bathroom door closed and angels in there in the bathtub dead yeah whatever they did they left him in the bathtub dead for over a week. Whoa. There are reports claiming that they said maybe eight or nine days. Once they decided they had to do something about it because it began to decompose, mm-hmm. Freeze headed to Macy's and bought knives. And when he returned, the two of them proceeded to dismember the body. Oh they wrapped God. each limb in separate garbage bags and put each one of those in their own duffel bag. The rest of the body, the torso and head, they put into a box they took a cab to the hudson river and threw the box in the river there's an account that i read where alex said the driver gave them a hand with the box containing angel's head and torso but it's hard to tell what he's telling the truth about and what he says for weird attention Mm -hmm. so i don't know what was true there. People started noticing that Angel was missing, okay? Mm -hmm. And Alec would tell anyone who would listen that he killed him Mm -hmm. and he would say it so matter-of-factly and nobody believed him. They just assumed that he was being boundaryless and attempting to shock people for attention. They're like, "Ooh, you're gross. Yeah. But nobody really knew where Angel was anyway. Months went by and Angel's brother Johnny was putting up missing posters around the city and begging police to open a missing persons case, Mm -hmm. which they wouldn't do. He then turned to the media for help, getting the word out out about his brother so michael musto our columnist of the village voice then released a blind item that got picked up by new york magazine mm-hmm. it was all about the rumor that Alec and freeze had murdered angel because okay. fucking alleg was telling everybody that wasn't freeze like dude shut the fuck up i have no idea there's like very little to find about him pretty soon everybody was talking about this article but it was still just a rumor mm-hmm. little did anyone know angel was already in the hands of the police By coincidence and the force of a tropical storm, the box containing Angel, which was lined in cork, Mm -hmm. like randomly, which fucking floats, had washed up on the beach at Miller Field in Staten Island. And it was found by a group of children. Oh, God. I know. How fucked up. Yeah. Because, you know, the kids opened the box. Oh, my God. So he was killed mid-March. And so this was in later March or April. Again, there's conflicting reports there when the box was found. But Angel was misidentified by the coroner as an Asian male. So they weren't lining that up with Angel, this missing person who was Latino. Yeah. So he was just marked as a John Doe. After another dismembered body was found in September later that year, the police began to really work on the John Doe they had had since springtime Mm -hmm. because they were trying to figure out if they were connected. Right? Yeah. yeah. Dental records ID'd Angel on November 2nd, 1996. The rumors were fucking everywhere, so of course Alec fled to New Jersey and hid out in a motel room with his boyfriend until he was tracked down by police and arrested. Mm -hmm. Then they found Freeze in Manhattan, who confessed immediately. They didn't have a reason to go arrest Alec. He, He could say that he killed him all day long all he wanted there was no yeah no evidence so the prosecution eventually offered them a deal if they pled guilty to manslaughter they would serve 10 to 20 years instead of the life sentence that the first degree murder charge would carry yeah well because they're thinking that aleg and freeze are going to be able to testify against peter gation on like drug charges and stuff oh so they were like okay yeah so they were like hey if you do this then you can do this but they ended up not even being able to be witnesses at his trial. Anyway, Gation ended up I don't know if it was around this or whatever, but he got deported back to Canada like after this for tax evasion shit. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in September of 97, both Alec and Freeze pled guilty and were sentenced to the 10 to 20 years. Then the club kid group just kind of dissolved in the mid 90s. Rudy Giuliani's quality of life crackdown in Manhattan nightclubs was in like full effect. So everything Mm -hmm. was just going off in New York. So these guys go to prison, both of them. Freeze was released on parole in 2010. And the last thing I read about him was that he got off parole Early And a 2012 article published by the City University of New York said that he's a research associate with the Bard Prison Initiative, a program offering college coursework and degrees to prisoners in five New York prisons. Riggs, that's freeze, has been accepted to the Ph.D. program in sociology at NYU with a five year Henry McCracken fellowship. So he seemingly turned himself around in prison Mm -hmm. but there's i can't find anything more on him nothing current but alec was released four years later in 2014 after serving 17 years for his crime Mm -hmm. he tried to come back as relevant but was a pariah to so many people. Like his shock shtick was gross after knowing that he really murdered and dismembered a friend. And although he claimed to be clean after his release, I don't know if that can be proven since he spent so much time in prison and solitary because he kept getting busted with heroin. Yeah. Then late on Christmas Eve of 2020, Alec overdosed on heroin and died in his home in Washington Heights. Oh. He was 54. Hmm. And I know like addiction is sad and that's sad Um, but it's really unfortunate that not only was someone brutally murdered but that this ended up being the spotlight of the entire club kids scene yeah the last thing i have is this quote from one of the big time club kids his name is walt paper he stated in an interview in interview Mm -hmm. he said quote I would say a lot of the community felt our experience of the time was hijacked by that party monster narrative. That's not the New York I knew. That narrative doesn't include the creativity, vibrancy and cultural impact that I experienced. Yeah. So like it was this incredible, amazing thing that Alec helped build and he also put the dark cloud over it as well
0: yeah it got summed up culturally almost as like murder
1: yeah and when party monster came out like there was a time that they were supposed to be um up for parole and because someone on the parole board had watched party monster it like had an effect on the ruling and they ended up not getting released at the time yeah but it's super fucked up and i'm gonna rewatch that because i don't really remember it's such a good movie yeah super fucked up it was good Thank you. Uh, okay, let's do the wrap up. Okay. Follow us on all social media
0: at SVU pod. Email us at SVU pod at gmail dot com. Check out our website, www.svupod.com. Hashtag little bit loud. If you're
1: a smaller podcast. Next week we're doing season two episode 17 folly the beating of a young man uncovers a dangerous male escort service where the boss may have reasons for sending her staff on potentially deadly dates alright great well I feel like there was something we missed but it was just because I wasn't paying attention okay love you bye alright love you bye so Kragan was the
0: Kragan the was the Kragan was a pile of hostas <laughs> <laughs> you gotta leave that shit in and she'll love it Oh, yeah, I will. And, but yeah. don't put that part in that where, I, where I just said that.
1: I know what to do. Okay.
0: <laughs>
1: I know what to do. <laughs> get
0: no, I was saying thanks for letting me say it. No, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I uh, love us. Ugh. Oh.